Jonathan Silvertown, Professor of Ecology at the Open University in the UK, argues that any question about the rise of diversity or its demise is, at the most basic level, an evolutionary one. An evolutionary approach enhances our understanding of biodiversity in a number of ways. I mean, firstly, you have to recognise that species are the product of evolution. And so you can't really understand biodiversity unless you understand evolution. But also, one can think of evolution as a play and ecology as a theatre, the ecological theatre and the evolutionary play. Anything that happens in evolution is happening in the context provided by ecology. In other words, it's the relationships between animals, plants, microbes and their physical environment which produce the selection pressures which result in evolution. The theatre, the ecology, provides the context in which evolution happens. And Darwin understood this very clearly. And you can see in The Origin of Species how he was thinking about the way in which the context of a species, what it eats, what eats it, its environment, influence how it's adapted. It's adapted to its environment and also to other organisms. And one way of putting that is to talk about the evolutionary play in the ecological theatre. The beauty of the evolutionary play is that it works to a remarkably simple script. All it needs are three basic ingredients to unfold. It starts off with the observation that not all organisms belonging to a species are the same. I mean, you look at any room full of people, it's perfectly obvious that we differ. Many of those differences are heritable, can be passed on to our children. So you've got variation, you've got inheritance, and then finally, some of that variation would be more or less useful in adapting an organism to its environment. In other words, in making it easier to find a mate or easier to survive or find food, but something that would ultimately influence the transmission of that individual's genes. So if you put those three things together, variation, inheritance and natural selection, you automatically get change and that changes evolution. So far, so good. But if the evolutionary spotlight favours the individual that survives best and leaves the most offspring, surely only one type of character could take the leading role. If you take a simplistic view of what Darwin was proposing, then there's really a very simple rule as to which kind of individual will succeed and replace all others. And it's what you might call a Darwinian demon. It's an organism that reproduces very soon after it itself was born. It produces a huge number of offspring, in theory an infinite number of offspring. It doesn't waste time swapping its genes in sex, it just reproduces asexually, and ideally it would live forever. If that were possible, if an organism like that could exist, it would surely beat all comers, and that one might call a Darwinian demon. Are there actually examples of Darwinian demons in nature? Cast your eye around any English garden and you'd be surprised. There are many examples of things that are going in that direction and you can see them succeeding stupendously as a result. Aphids are uh, demonic. They reproduce so quickly that when the females are born and they're born without sex during the summer when they're reproducing at their fastest rate, the females are born and they already have their own offspring inside. If you want an example from a plant, dandelions do pretty well. They do live a long time, or they can do. They also reproduce asexually. They can produce huge numbers of seeds. Of course, you know, they're not Darwinian demons, but they have some of the characteristics of Darwinian demons. What's perhaps surprising 
is that every species is potentially a Darwinian demon, because all populations have the potential to double and so increase geometrically. 2 producing 4, producing 8, 16 and so on. Now, this has to be inherent in all species, or else no species would get started, because all new species start off in the minority. They start off as something new and rather rare, and they can never become common, common enough to survive, unless they reproduce successfully. So that's inherent in Darwin's theory. But then the question is, what stops it happening? Why don't those successful species take over completely? So what the whole concept of the Darwinian demon does, it points out that diversity is not the only necessary consequence of evolution. You have to explain how you get diversity out of evolution. It isn't obvious, if you like, at first sight. So there's the paradox. If Darwinian demons are the logical consequence of evolution by natural selection, the result would be dull monotony, not marvellous variety. Darwin was well aware of this difficulty and he writes in his autobiography that he remembered the place on the road when he was driving in his carriage when the solution occurred to him. In modern parlance, what Darwin realised was that when plants and animals and uh, different organisms adapt, they occupy different niches in what he called the economy of nature. Well, the economy of nature is what we call ecology. So there are different ecological niches. 